The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I wanted to remind you that all offseason, whether it's about the draft, free agency, the salary cap, or anything else, you can send in your questions to me at 716-508-0405. And voicemail questions always get preference over Twitter and email questions. So send in your questions there, and they'll definitely get answered on next week's episode. You can also use Twitter at Rumblings Q and A with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email us Buffalo Rumblings at SBNation.com. Facebook and Instagram messages eventually make their way to me as well. So you can use those avenues if you'd prefer. But we're now really into the Buffalo Bills offseason and the biggest news so far. Uh, offense coordinator Brian Dable has been hired by the New York Giants to be their new head coach. He has so far taken with him Bills offensive line coach Bobby Johnson. Uh, Bobby Johnson's contract was up, and so the Bills couldn't block the move, even if they wanted to. I don't know if they would have let him out of his contract or not, uh, but that's a moot point because Johnson's contract was up, and so he joins Brian Dable with the New York Giants. The biggest question mark so far is who's going to be the Bills offensive coordinator, and we don't know that yet. The Bills uh, are interviewing folks as we speak. Ken Dorsey, the quarterback's coach, is the name at the top of pretty much everybody's list right now. There's rumors that he is um, considering a huge payday to go be the play caller for the New York Giants. Um, that never made sense to me uh, because, you know, who wouldn't want to call plays for Josh Allen? You're setting yourself up for a head coaching job you know, two years from now if you stay in Buffalo and um, and coach Josh Allen. Uh, T. Martin, the Ravens wide receiver coach, is one candidate for the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator position. They do need to interview two external candidates. Um before they can hire Ken Dorsey. So this shouldn't be seen as a slight on Ken Dorsey that they're interviewing other guys. Uh, But the other coach uh, that they're interviewing is Edgar Bennett from the Las Vegas Raiders. He's their wide receivers coach, at least for right now. The Raiders obviously have a new 
head coach in Josh McDaniels, so he could be out of a job anyway. So they might be interviewing him just to come to Buffalo in general as well. So those are your three candidates as of right now. We also have a pretty extensive list over on buffalorumlings.com of replacement options at offensive coordinator and one for the offensive line coach. These are guys that either have direct connections to someone on the Buffalo Bills coaching staff or um, are so well respected in the league that they're going to get a phone call from Sean McDermott, whether you know it's a cold call or he has connections. So both of those articles right at the top of buffalorumlings.com right now. Uh, you can go check there. I'll, I'll throw a link to those in the show notes as well. The other point thing I wanted to point you towards at buffalorumlings.com is our off-season tracker. Um, it's a constantly updated feed of what's happening uh, in real time. So every one of our articles goes into that tracker, and that's pinned uh, near the top of the homepage as well. So you can constantly be updated on what's going on. Even if you've missed a day or two, you can go see uh, the links in that off-season tracker. So bookmark that. Go over there because sometimes you know we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl we'll be talking about the Pro Bowl and all that stuff and if you're not interested in that or, or you know you can go over to that off-season tracker and check that out and that leads us to our first question um, from Patrick Brady who says do we really promote from within this team could have a line of qualified offensive coordinators to want to come coach here is Dorsey really the top option well, it's a great question, and I at least appreciate the spirit of it. Like, if you can get a guy like Doug Peterson, who's called plays, who's been an NFL head coach, why wouldn't you want him here as opposed to Ken Dorsey, who's never called plays before? I think there's actually two things, and I'll go to the leadership aspect first. As a leader of an organization, if I have a guy who's been paying his dues, who's been you know, working behind the scenes. We promoted him last year from quarterbacks coach to passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He's doing everything right. If I pass him over for somebody outside the organization, he's going to be dispirited. He's going to be starting to look for the next opportunity to get a promotion somewhere else. And especially for Ken Dorsey, who has an open invitation right now from the New York Giants, if I pass him over and hire an offensive coordinator and keep him as the quarterback's coach, he's just going to bolt and go to the New York Giants as their offensive coordinator. So I think even if you might not think Dorsey is ready right now, but maybe a year from now he'll be ready, I think you have to promote him from that leadership and morale vein. And Sean McDermott talked about this at his end of the year press conference about how it is good for morale. You give those coaches, the rest of the coaches on the staff, something to work toward because they see a path forward. They see a path towards a promotion, towards more money, towards more responsibility, maybe towards that head coaching job that they're dreaming of. So you have a young coach like say Chad Hall, like does he want to be the Bills wide receiver coach forever? Maybe. Or does he want to be a guy that maybe takes over for Ken Dorsey when Ken Dorsey becomes an NFL head coach down the line? And you have to give them that kind of path forward. So I do think it would be a slap in the face for Ken Dorsey if they did bring in somebody else and just kept him as the quarterback's coach. And he'd be looking for that first opportunity to go somewhere else. Um, it's the reality of 
leading and developing a team, not a, not necessarily a football team, but a team of, of, of people that you work with that a lot of them have bigger aspirations. And if you don't reward them toward that end, they're going to be unhappy and they're going to move on. So I think that's part of it. The other part of it is just that familiarity. Josh Allen's entire career has been with one offensive coordinator and two quarterbacks coaches. Uh, David Culley was the quarterbacks coach for his rookie season. And then Ken Dorsey after that, um, you know, promoting Dorsey and bringing in another quarterbacks coach is going to limit the change, limit the turnover for uh, Josh Allen. So whether it is promoting um, a guy like Shea Tierney, whether it's bringing back David Culley as quarterbacks coach, now that he's, you know, not the head coach of the Houston Texans, there's ways to contribute toward that familiarity with Josh Allen. And, you know, David Culley's never called plays, so it's not like I would necessarily advocate for him but bringing in say an experienced former offensive coordinator to be the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator underneath Ken Dorsey a first time play caller I think makes a heck of a lot of sense because you have that mix of experience and new ideas and so there's a lot of things, good things to be said about bringing in an experienced quarterback's coach um, to pair with a young and experienced Ken Dorsey. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm not 100% sure what's going to happen at this point. Um, I still think Ken Dorsey is the most likely candidate, uh, but there are a ton of options for the Bills if he does, for some reason, decide to go to the New York Giants and chase a payday or a bigger market, which I don't know, just doesn't really make sense to me unless he just really respects Brian Dable that much. But Ken Dorsey came from a different coaching tree than um, Brian Dable. He didn't come from New England. He didn't come from, you know, Brian Dable's past stops. He he came because of the Carolina connection with Sean McDermott. So, you know, it, it just it would be a little bit of a red flag for me if he's not the offensive coordinator with the Buffalo Bills. Um, and that brings me to my next point about you know inexperienced um, offensive coordinators. You say that there's experienced offensive coordinators that would be lining up to coach the Buffalo Bills. And that's true. But if you look at Brian Dable's track record before he came to Buffalo, it wasn't very good. Uh, Immediately prior to Buffalo, he was the offensive coordinator uh, for Alabama, the University of Alabama at the college ranks. Um, He didn't really have a whole lot of successful seasons as an offensive coordinator in the league, despite having several bites at the apple. But really, that when you look at his list of quarterbacks, that really explains the whole thing. Like his his list of quarterbacks wasn't very good, and so his time as an offensive coordinator wasn't very good. So, do you want to hire somebody that you know has experience, but it's not very good experience, or do you want to hire a guy like Ken Dorsey who has you know a long track record of developing quarterbacks and working with quarterbacks, and now uh, gets a chance to be a play caller? I, I don't think there's a wrong answer as long as you get the right candidate. But for all the reasons I said before, I still think Dorsey is the leader in the clubhouse and um, the most likely candidate uh, to get the job once the Bills complete their exterior interview as they're required to by the NFL. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more of your questions. Don't go anywhere. (music) 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back. Uh, I wanted to mention that I didn't end up watching either of the conference championship games on Sunday. Just couldn't bring myself to do it. I had so much more time in my day on Sunday because the Bills weren't playing that I just kind of went headlong into some house projects. But there was one thing that I tuned in for, and that was overtime of the Bengals and Chiefs. And Eric asked us a question about this. Well, not exactly, but you'll see what I mean. Eric, we have an analytics department. Have they not run the odds of heads or tails? Because the Bills lost the coin toss at the beginning of overtime against the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round, the Chiefs got the ball, went down, scored a touchdown. Buffalo never touched the ball in overtime. Josh Allen, up until that point, up until the start of the game against the Kansas City Chiefs, hadn't lost a coin toss all year, according to research by the Buffalo News. They had won every single um, coin toss of the season, preseason and regular season, until the beginning of the Chiefs game. He lost the opening toss and then again the overtime loss. So it's kind of a regression to the mean, even though both of those were 50-50 chances or maybe a little bit slightly skewed towards tails never fails, that the Bills were going to win that toss. Um, Interestingly enough, Josh Allen was watching the game when the the Bengals called heads and it came up tails. Josh Allen tweeted out just one word, pain, because obviously he called tails and then the Bills didn't win the toss. And so I thought that was interesting. That got a lot of play nationally. I know I saw all pretty much all the national uh, NFL writers comment on it, quote, tweet it or retweet it. Um, but it, you know, the Bills do have an analytics department. I don't think they're spending time on the coin toss. But like I said, Josh Allen was pretty darn good in uh, 2021 winning the coin toss. So just happened to be at the, um, at the wrong time. That's too bad. Next up, we go back to the divisional round game. And, and SportsFan01 asks us, why didn't the Bills go for two with 13 seconds left to potentially go up by four points instead of just three with the extra point? Going up by three means that a field goal at best will tie, but if they fail the two-point conversion, a field goal loses them the game. Um, The Buffalo Bills on the season were 
57% on two-point conversion attempts. Obviously, Josh Allen was in the zone on uh, Sunday night, and so you just have to believe that he would have been able to convert. But look at the previous two-point conversion that they had. You know, he had to avoid two pass rushers. Stefan Diggs had to do just a perfectly executed jump and twist thing to get both of his feet down in bounds to, co- to complete the two-point conversion. So even though they did complete it, it's not like it was easy. And so if you're talking about a 60% chance, like I said, that's what they were on the season, 57%, that the Bills are going to convert that, That means there's a 40 plus percent chance that they're not going to convert it. And then you give the Chiefs the ball and a field goal wins the game for them. Um, So I think ultimately they decided to kick the extra point uh, so that they could ensure that at the worst possible scenario, they would get into overtime unless there was like, you know, Music City Miracle type of kickoff return, which, you know, we've obviously seen before. So I think it was the right move to go up by three. Um, with 13 seconds left, it's highly unlikely the Chiefs are going to score or are going to be able to kick a field goal and then win in overtime. Um, I think if you do the things at the end in those final 13 seconds that you should have done, um, the Chiefs don't kick a field goal or at least have a really difficult, long 60-something yard field goal. And um, and the chances of that are way less than, um, than the problem for converting uh, uh, a two-point conversion in that moment. So I think it was the right move to go up by three points there. And then all you need is like one defensive stop, um, one better kickoff, and uh, and you win the game. So I, I definitely don't think that that was the problem. Thanks for your question. Over on Twitter, at RumlingsQ&A. Pmart, Supermart, asks us, if you were the Bills GM, what are your off-season priorities? I'm working on those right now over at buffalorumlings.com. Up until last year, I kept saying over and over again that I thought pass rusher was the number one priority. And they picked two of them. In fact, they've used, um, you know, what, four of their top two picks in the last three years to select, you know, pass rushers, whether you're talking about Ed Oliver or, uh, or the defensive ends that they've picked. And it hasn't worked. So I still think pass rush is at or near the top of the list, especially with Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison being how old they are and both of them on expiring contracts. So you would need to re-sign them anyway. Um, I think pass rush is definitely up there. Uh, Levi Wallace is a free agent and they were already paper thin at depth at cornerback. So getting another athletic cornerback, it's not something the Bills have shown to have an interest in. Um, they seem to be happy with their safety duo and Tredavious White and then whoever they can plug in on the other side. But I think it was a little bit exposed by the Chiefs again. So an athletic cornerback for number two. Um, the pass rush um, upgrade over there. Even someone just to rotate and play half the snaps at one of those defensive end spots, they're going to need that. Um, I think they need an interior offensive line upgrade. Um, whether it's because Ike Bucker is injured and a free agent, uh, Ryan Bates is a, a restricted free agent, uh, John Feliciano, I, I don't think he played very well last year, is probably going to be a cap casualty. Um, you know, they, they have a need at interior offensive line um, moving forward as well. So there's uh, those are probably my three big priorities. They also definitely need to address the one tech defensive tackle situation, whether it's re-signing Harrison Phillips, 
uh, or re-signing Harrison Phillips, cutting Starla Tule, and drafting, you know, another guy to come in and play 50% or 40% of the snaps. So they need, uh, they definitely need an influx of talent at several key positions. Um, you'll see all that stuff over on BuffaloRumblings.com later this week, fleshed out a little bit better than that. Um, but those are probably my top four places where I'm looking this offseason. They need a backup quarterback. They might need a punter. Uh, there's a lot of different areas that they could go as far as needs go. Um, and But it's all going to depend on you know where they want to spend their money and where they want to spend their draft picks. Someone's going to argue for a running back at some point. Uh, people are going to say wide receiver to replace Emmanuel Sanders or even Cole Beasley. So you're going to see a lot of different um, position groups at the top of that list um, going forward. Thanks for your question over on Twitter at Rumblings Q&A. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Please send in your questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. Email Rumblings at SBNation.com. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review. Uh, tell us what you think, especially if you really like us. Then you can really tell us what you think. Um, tell a friend if they're a big Bills fan, you think that they should uh, be listening to our podcast lineup. We have something for everybody at the Buffalo Rumblings uh, podcast network. Lots of different styles of shows, uh, different lengths of shows, uh, different release dates and times. Uh, there's just something for everyone, and uh, we really pride ourselves on that. Uh, as a reminder, if you send in voicemails, they get priority over emails and, and Twitter questions. So until next week, go Bills. Thank you.